He worked out of Harvard, but not on toothpaste. He was part of a classified U.S. Army experimental program called Kelvin Genetics. They gave him the resources to do whatever work he wanted, which was primarily in an area called fringe science. When you say fringe science, you mean pseudoscience. I suppose. Things like mind control, teleportation, astral projection, invisibility, genetic mutation, reanimation. Whoa, excuse me for a sec. Reanimation. Really? So you're telling me what? My father was Dr. Frankenstein. Welcome to Dining at the End of the Universe, where we serve up all sorts of spicy conversations off the latest menu of science fiction movies and television shows. Hello, I'm Scott, and you're listening to Dining at the End of the Universe, where we serve up all sorts of spicy conversation regarding the TV shows and movies that we are watching. It's just me tonight, but I wanted to come and bring you um, a little bit of some of my thoughts about The Fringe. Um, And this is going to be a Fringe-exclusive episode, so if you haven't watched The Fringe, you could just bypass this episode or... Um, What I'm really doing is I'm going back in the period of time. See, The Fringe will not air to the beginning of April. So there's this huge vacancy in Fringe. Uh, And what I've decided to do is to go back and rewatch from the beginning of the season some of the episodes in light of knowing the last episode, episode 14. And so what I'd like to do is to talk about the pilot. And what we're going to do is I'm just going to highlight some of the things that I'm noticing watching these episodes again. So if this is not of interest to you, you can bypass this episode. If this is an episode that you might find that maybe you can, you, maybe you can view this as kind of an introduction to The Fringe if you've never watched The Fringe before. And uh, even those of you that might consider yourself fringe experts or have watched a show maybe you'll find something that you may not have thought of in a while i guess all in all this is just scott's perspective on the fringe although don and matt obviously matt doesn't watch a show but don does and we obviously are going to be talking about it all right let me get started so episode one called the pilot an hour and a half episode some of the things i noticed about the fringe this time watching it you know, one of the middle episodes, and I forget which one because I haven't gone back and reviewed that one yet, there's these sequence of lights, this flashing pattern of lights that sets things off. Well, we see the same type of flashing happening in one of the overhead uh, lights that is lighting the area where the explosion happens at the storage facility where they have all these storage units at the beginning of the episode. Uh, where Agent Dunham's knocked down by the explosion. We also see see the same flickering lights happening when she and John Scott are going through the trash at the same place. And so just want to notice that whole pattern of lights. Now, this pattern of lights has nothing to do with the same, the box of lights that Mr. Jones gives Agent Dunham to actually turn off with her mind, so to say, with Peter, as she does twice in the last episode. However... In light of that, one of the things I did notice going back to the very first episode is 
that when they flash to a commercial and they give you the different icons, the hand, the leaf, the butterfly, the frog, and those sorts of icons that appear throughout this episode, in each one, there's this tiny light that changes position depending on the image. And they said earlier on with this, when this episode first aired that we were supposed to pay attention to those icons, but I'm wondering even more so if we're not supposed to pay more attention to the light. In fact, I believe it is uh, Sharps, who works for Massive Dynamics, who says, don't you see the pattern? Speaking to Olivia, but I'm wondering if when she's saying it, if she's not really talking to us, the audience. Didn't you notice the pattern? And it's this pattern of lights that are appearing around this icon as we break to the commercial. Very, very interesting. I'm going to be posting them, and I haven't actually watched it enough or in line of all the episodes to see if this is indeed that the way the lights appear are the same sequence in which the lights turn off when Mr. Jones has set up that bomb at the very end of episode 14. But interesting, not the last. Uh, nonetheless, the first thing that we see up here, of course, is the butterfly, which, of course, plays into one of the other episodes that we see uh, later on in the series. And that first light, by the way, that appears in the first commercial is down and left. I'm going to post some pictures along with this to kind of show how this plays into the uh, how this plays into the episode or how this plays into the whole story. I'll post some of the pictures of those commercial screenshots going to the commercials and just kind of talk about it there. We learn a couple of different things about Walter in this episode that I wanted to point out. First of all, we find out early on that he worked for a government secret project called Calvin or yeah, Calvin Genetics. Um, I didn't look this up, but I wanted the significance of Calvin both as a scientist. Also didn't know if there was some association with the with the religious portion of Calvinists. Uh, and I didn't think too much on that. I just kind of made a note that that's something um, to think about, and if any of you listeners uh, want to call in and talk about that, maybe I would love to actually hear your thoughts on the significance of the government secret project you worked for called Calvin Genetics. We do find out here that Walter worked in an area of science called fringe science, which, of course, is where we assume the title of the show comes from. Uh, we find that he has worked on, according to Olivia Dunham, and this is, of course. All this is coming out as she's talking to Peter's son on the plane. We find out through Olivia Dunn that he has worked on reanimation, mind control, teleportation, genetic mutation, astral projection, and invisibility. And there might be one other one I missed in there. I kind of went through and listened to it a couple times, but she says it pretty fast. The thing that I find interesting is that in the very last episode, we see this idea of reanimation. We also see the idea of mind control and teleportation Teleportation is actually mentioned later on in the pilot, but we also see teleportation, of course, as Mr. Jones being teleported out of prison in two episodes that follow this episode. Very interesting. And a lot of these things, of course, do appear as we watch the subsequent episodes. One interesting thing about reanimation. We find that he's done work in reanimation, and yet later on when we see Sharps, and I think I got her name right, I could be totally off base here, I want to say Nina Sharps, but um, I don't have uh, – I wrote it down, but I'm not sure I wrote it down right. The lady that's working for Massive Dynamic, with whom Olivia Dunham speaks to, she has a fake hand, as we see in this episode. What's interesting is that if Dr. William Bell worked alongside of Walter Bishop, 
which is said in this episode he has. We wonder why Nina Sharp's hand has not been reanimated, or whether the reanimation is only limited to the skin as we saw it in uh, episode 14. Just an interesting thought. Uh, we know that he has con- that, that this Walter Bell or William Bell has created this robotic arm for Sharps, but we don't have any idea. Which, by the way, is very reminiscent to the Anakin Skywalker hand that you see in um, the second episode, the uh, what the Attack of the Clones, I guess it's called. By the way, for, when we see Walter, we actually go to visit Walter, and Olivia Dunham walks in. He turns around and says, I knew someone would come eventually, which seems to know, just in particular, that the, the work he's been working on, he knew was going to gain attention somehow, some way, or he knew that he wasn't going to be left there, or maybe he was just waiting for this time. Uh, just a slight note, he has a twitch in his hand, which we see in, of course, Sharps. I don't know if it's in this episode or not, but we see it in Sharps. And then we break for a second commercial with the light on the, the there's a leaf this time and the light is in the upper left. Uh, and I won't go over all the commercials here, but just in these couple commercials, we see that light kind of shifting. Again, is this part of the pattern which a Sharps uh, is communicating to Dunham a little bit later on? Uh, I love the slogan of Massive Dynamic, just to point it out, whose slogan is, what do we do? What don't we do? Continuing on the episode, I'm going to give two bits of trivia, but I'm going to give them at the end. And so if you know this trivia, you can let me know. I did wonder, do the lights in the ceiling of Bishop's lab, when they reopen the lab, mirror the lights in the box? I looked at it, and it looks like there's just as many lights in the ceiling as there are in the box. And there's some of those that are flicking in it, flickering in and out. Just thought it was interesting there, nonetheless. We find out Peter is a reader in Episode 1, which ties into Episode 14. Because he is a pretty avid, we find that he learns, uh, what did he learn? I forget. He learns something in a book that he makes reference to, which obviously develops his idea that he is indeed a reader. We find that Sharps has worked for Massive Dynamic for 16 years, which is, I believe, just a year after Walter is institutionalized. Not sure the significance of that. But Sharps, of course, is the one that first introduces the idea of the pattern. And is this a reference to the lights, as I've said before? And um, is it a reference just for Olivia, or is this really for us to take note? She also mentions, as she's talking to um, Olivia, be careful. I would say this as I say this to my own daughter, which begs the question. We know that Olivia's parents uh, lived at one time in Jacksonville, Florida. But we do want to know, is Olivia adopted? Has it been suggested, but is Sharps really her mother? Don't know. We finally see Peter's side, bad boy side, which is being um, talked about in this episode. This idea in the interrogation room when he slams a cup in the guy's hands, etc. We see, of course, Philip Broyles, who ends up becoming uh, Olivia's boss here. Not only does he try to recruit Dunham, Dunham, who kind of refuses it, and really hasn't accepted it in this episode as far as we see, uh, although he does say that she can't go back to the FBI job. He does insinuate that he's working for or along with something else. And also in this conversation after it seems like John Scott's going to recover, makes a reference to the teleportation in kids through space and time, which are references that are made with Mr. Jones and, of course, later references made uh, in episode 14 kind of the pinnacle of the first 14 episodes, it seems. And these talk about kids that disappear but reappear many, many years later but haven't aged a day, okay? 
He also, as a second time, we hear from Muhammad during this point that he makes reference to the pattern. Pretty interesting. I'm not going to talk in this episode about how John Scott's a traitor, although that's been chatted up many, many times before in many other podcasts and forums and blogs, etc. What's impressive to me, though, in this entire episode is that the entire episode, Olivia is fighting to save John Scott. And at the drop of the hat, she gets new intel and in that instant turns on him. This really shows a dedication to her job. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons that we see Broyle that kind of wants to recruit him there at the end. We never see he's dead, although from massive dynamic, we find out that he is dead. And of course, in the end, we see this leaf that just kind of hovers there. This, this, this leaf that hovers there on the, dis, uh, the emittance display, I guess, that lets him into the secret lab where they take John Scott in Massive Dynamic. So we know the leaf is tied into Massive Dynamic. And, of course, talking about the leaf, maybe I failed to mention, the leaf was one of the icons we saw when we broke to, to the commercial break. So, anyways, all that to say, these are just a few of my notes on the fringe. This has been a fringe episode I hope it doesn't seem like I rambled or if anything I said was unclear, you can just call in and ask me to clarify what I meant by it. By the way, two bits of trivia. And for those of you who are fringe experts out there, please let, call in and let me know. We'll play some of your thoughts on the show. First bit of trivia. Where do we first meet Astra? All right. And the second bit of trivia. When do we first see Dunham? And what is the situation? That's it. That's all I have for the show today. If you want to answer any of that trivia or just call in and leave feedback for the show, this is a fringe pod, just been the fringe part of our podcast. We do many other shows here, of course. Uh, but if you want to call and leave feedback for this show or any of the other shows that we have said, please call our listener line at 717-983-4314. Or you can email us at zogpod, Z-O-G-P-O-D, at gmail.com. And we would love to get some feedback from you. Again, this has been a fringe episode for the show. Thanks.